Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Vegans don't bug me. Like, I just don't care. But if you think about, like, the fact that you can go to a diet that only consists of one thing means you can figure out your problems. Because you eliminate everything, you can reintroduce foods, maybe you can fix whatever the underlying cause is. Like there's actually something to really think about there rather than just saying, oh, you're a bad person because you only eat meat. It will be a fight. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. It will be a fight we will win. But a lot less death, but there will be death. People should be actually kept out of the country for at least 28 days. America is not prepared. G'day ladies and gentlemen, the Butts Barney. I hope you're doing real well because I certainly am. And I'll tell you what, this is very exciting. We've got another international guest. This young lady is the, not only the daughter of famed uh, psychologist and one of the most famous intellectuals of the 21st century, Jordan Peterson. She's also very interesting in her own right, taking on the carnivore diet for some time now. She is a proponent and perhaps even a bigger enemy to the vegan population of the world, even bigger than me. I think she's a little bit more hated than I at this point, even though I'm, yeah, they don't really like the old butts. But anyway, you live and learn. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you what, you need to become a part of this podcast. You need to hit subscribe because we're posting every single Thursday. It's very exciting. And also we're on Spotify and iTunes as well. If you can't listen to this whole thing here, go there, subscribe on Spotify and iTunes because I'll tell you what, when you're in the car on the way to work, well, I guess most people aren't at work at the moment, but when you're in the car or you're at the gym, well, people aren't at the gym either. When you're somewhere and you want to listen to something sweet, and beautiful and innocent. You want my voice in your ears, ladies and gentlemen. So go ahead, head to Spotify, head to iTunes, head somewhere and make sure you subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, this was my chat with Michaela Peterson. Hello, Michaela. Welcome to the show. How you doing? What's happening? Uh, I'm not doing too badly. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk. Fantastic. I um. I was researching this and I, I know a little bit about yourself through uh, things like Joe Rogan's podcast. And I know uh, probably a lot more about uh, your father through, um, you know, through his, his, uh, through everything he's done, his book that I've read uh, through Joe Rogan's podcast as well, his lectures. I also met him at Brisbane airport last year or maybe the year before. Um, I don't know. I don't know what year it is at the moment being stuck inside. I've lost the track of days. I think but- he actually told me about that. I remember him talking about a, a comedian meeting a comedian in an airport in Australia. You're saying that Jordan Peterson mentioned me? Okay, I'm freaking out. I think I, so. I, think, I, think uh, so. <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I, I, I went full fangirl. I freaked out. I was like, because I grew up um, here in, in Australia. and I'm, I'm in a town called Newcastle. And my father was a professional sportsman. So when I was growing up, that was the biggest thing. And they were the celebrities I was around. So I was used yeah. to people who were well-known, seen them on TV. So I'd never really had 
like a fangirl panic moment. I walked into the lounge there at Brisbane Airport and I saw your father and your mother there and I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I just went over and I said, uh, thank you. <laughs> that was it. I said, mate, I've, I've got your book in my bag. And I went to pull it out, but it wasn't his book. I had replaced it a week or so ago. And, and it was it was very awkward, but uh, he complimented my phone case of uh, Conor McGregor. So that was, that was very nice. Oh, but, that's cool. Uh, but in that's researching funny. for this podcast, I, I don't think I've ever seen so much hateful journalism, so much... It's strange for me because I feel like, and like anyone who you watch online or you listen to podcasts, you feel like you sort of know them in a respect and then you form an opinion about them. And then to read things, like I was reading BuzzFeed news and I, I love making videos about BuzzFeed. I do it all the time. And reading about what a horrible person you are, what a horrible person your father is. It is just insane to think that there are so so many conflicting arguments or conflicting opinions. So many people think you guys are amazing and so many people like just completely twist the truth. It, it must be insane for you guys to have, like I've had bad articles written, but not in the sense of, of your fame. It's, it's weird. I, I still haven't really wrapped my head around it. I still find it weird. I think the weirdest thing I find is just honestly, just people contacting me on Instagram telling me that what I'm doing isn't me. Like I, I get that a lot. I was like, Oh no, this doesn't work. Like people form an idea of what they have of you. And then they get mad at you if you're not whatever idea they've formed of you. So um, yeah, like normally the negative press doesn't bug me at all. Like usually I'm just entertained because it, it doesn't affect me. But then when dad got sick, and just, I just got more stressed. My resilience to like negative articles definitely went down. And so it's been a little rough. Um, it gets rough if I get stressed out. Uh, yes. Otherwise it's kind of, it's just kind of absurd and entertaining. But yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of negativity and it's also kind of understandable because I'm going around talking about this all meat diet that I'm on and about how it has like magical healing properties. And so it would be hard for somebody not to attack that. Mm. And it does. It I, sounds, I get it. It sounds batshit crazy, but until you read people's, you know, anecdotal responses and, and how people have helped with a multitude of things. Um, I, yeah. I want to get the whole picture here for people who don't know anything about you or, or your story. And I wonder if you could really elaborate on, on how you became the queen of the carnivore diet. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. I'll get You've taken that three. title. Have you? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know how it happened exactly. And I definitely wasn't aiming for it, but apparently, um, it started like, uh, so I was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when I was seven, um, and had, it was severe enough that I was really heavily medicated. I was on immune suppressants, like injections. Um, and I ended up with my hip and ankle replaced when I was 17. So that kind of gives you an idea of how bad the arthritis was. It wasn't like I had a sore knee. It was like my body was eating my joints, and it did. It ate two of them. And my um, my, so uh, if I can interrupt, sorry. My my grandma has rheumatoid arthritis, and yeah. she was diagnosed, let's say, around sixty or so, and completely changed her life. She's on uh, cancer drugs now. Um, methotrexate. And, yeah, yeah. So she's getting. I was on methotrexate. At, yeah. at age, what what was the age? Sorry. I was injecting myself with methotrexate when I was eight a cancer drug when you're eight years old for this rheumatoid arthritis, which I imagine is quite rare in young people. 
It was, but uh, like more recently, more and more young people have it. But yeah, at that time, it was one in a thousand. Wow. Wow. And so what's the, what's the outlook? If you guys don't take on this, this diet and and help turn your life around and you don't have the ability to say, maybe you can't afford to get a hip replacement, knee replacement, what happens to a young person when they live with that their entire life? Uh, If you have, if you had the severity of arthritis I had, which was actually fairly rare, like um, to give you an idea, my rheumatologist who'd been working for 28 years, I was the worst case she'd ever seen. Mm. So, and that's out of seeing, you know, thousands of kids with arthritis. So my arthritis was extremely uh, severe. Um, But what do you do if you don't fix it and you're not on medications, your body destroys your joints. So you're unable to walk, you'd end up in a wheelchair. Like um, there were years when, before I actually went on some of these really intense drugs, um, there was about a six month period where I really, really was hardly walking and I was kind of wheelchair bound um, in elementary school. And then I started taking these really intense medications that have a horrible side effects, but I went from, you know, wheelchair to being able to run around. What um, else do you do? You have, to, you have to take those drugs. There's no other option. Yeah, there Less there were no other options. Yeah. And I mean, that was in like, you know, early 2000s. So even the idea that food or diet could have anything to do with that, even now it's kind of absurd, but back then it was like, it was really fringe. So that's what you do. You take the medications. Mm. Um, so there was that. And then I also had a mood disorder. So, uh, technically bipolar type two, which is really, really severe depression with like kind of more mild hypomanic episodes. Um, and I was medicated pretty heavily for that, um, when I was in grade five. So those were my two main health problems, but then the older I got, the sicker I got, I started getting all these other symptoms. Like my skin started getting like blistering rashes. I was itchy. I had chronic fatigue. Um, and then I had like smaller issues, like my hair wasn't healthy. My nails, you know, wouldn't grow very well. Um, and all these issues just started piling up and I started taking more and more medication and I was just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and so I started researching and in 2015 kind of came to the desperate conclusion that maybe gluten was causing some issues. Um, I did a gen- I did genetic testing and have the gene for celiac disease and lots of people with celiac disease, um, which is a gut autoimmune disorder can have a whole bunch of other autoimmune disorders. So I cut out gluten, nothing really happened. And then I just kind of thought, well, screw it. I'll just eliminate as many foods as I can just to rule the whole diet factor out. So I went down to this list I kind of came up with of like 15 or so foods that we now kind of call like a limited paleo diet. So it was basically like meat and vegetables and a few fruits. And I saw dramatic improvements in my health in like a month. It was insane. Like my skin started to heal. My arthritis was better. And at at this point, I actually, I also stopped taking my immune suppressants because I wanted to monitor my symptoms through dietary changes. And then over the next two years, um, I tried to reintroduce foods back in. I went off all of my medications and I tried to reintroduce foods back in. And I talked about it on Rogan, like in more detail, but I had horrific autoimmune responses to almost everything that I tried to reintroduce. And I was going to doctors and immunologists being like, this is real. This is happening. Like what's going on. And they had no idea what was going on. Um, and then, so I kind of stuck with this list of like 15 foods and was like, screw it. I'll just live like this asymptomatic happy. And then I got pregnant and had a baby and all my autoimmune symptoms came back. And somehow I lost 
my tolerance for this limited diet I had. And eventually I kind of gave up. And this was a serious point of desperation because when you're miserably depressed and then your depression goes away and then it comes back, it's so freaking awful. So um, I went down to all beef. And the reason I did that was um, because at that point I was at meat and greens and I got my dad on this diet too. Meat and greens diet we did for a couple of years. And I'd read some random article uh, about this family that had only eaten beef for like 15 years. And I thought, okay, well, if they're still alive, then I'm just going to do that to try and figure out what's going on. Cause I know I don't react to beef. Um, and so, yeah, since 2017, I've been eating like beef and then I went on Rogan and talked about it. I got my dad on it. And then the like media kind of had a field day with it because I was going around saying, Hey, an all beef diet fixed my autoimmune and mood disorder. Um, and it sounds unbelievable. It just, just sounds insane. And at that point, I don't even think people really realize that you could only eat beef and be healthy or, you know, not die of scurvy. So that's kind of the, the bit of the background story. Yeah. And it's an incredible story. I mean, to consider doing something as brash as eliminating everything but meat, salt and water is, is you know, it's a, it's a crazy thing to do. And a lot of people... Even when I, so I've, I've eaten a ketogenic diet for several years. And when I tell people that I don't eat carbs, people look at me like I'm crazy. But if yeah. you tell people you don't eat anything but meat, people must look <laughs> at you like you're absolutely insane. But there, yeah, yeah. there is this, this case now when people like Sean Baker and this whole zero carb lifestyle and the carnival style, uh, lifestyle and your lion diet, there is a huge population base who are now doing it and having positive results. Now, obviously, there are the people that who are just straight away against it, namely probably vegan people. Perhaps you're more of an enemy of vegan people than I am. Uh, but that's just, you know, that's, that is what it is. I'm sure they come after you. There was a few people I saw uh, doing videos uh, about you on YouTube uh, from the vegan community and they poo-poo it straight away without giving it a go. Um, there was one particular yeah, or thinking about it. Sorry. Like these people or thinking about it. Like a lot of these people just, they're just like, Oh, you're, you're only eating meat, which makes you worse than people who like also eat meat and vegetables. Right. But they don't actually think about it in a health way at all. And honestly, I don't have anything against anybody. Like, like uh, vegans don't bug me. Like I just don't care. Um, but if you think about like the fact that you can go to, a diet that only consists of one thing means you can figure out your problems because you eliminate everything. You can reintroduce foods. Maybe you can fix whatever the underlying cause is. Like there's actually something to really think about there rather than just saying, Oh, you're a bad person because you only eat meat. Yeah. But, but it's, it's so against their religious doctrine. It's their ideas, their ideology that the, if you touch me, you are a bad person. If you touch only me, you must be the worst person. <laughs> but in this case, like you are, you are having so much success with this diet within your own health and, and mind and body that wouldn't it go, would I'd go as far to say that it is, it, it has more importance to me that people are, not living through pain, not living through depression, anxiety, well, yeah. than a cow in a paddock. I'm, I know that's a horrible thing to say because sentient life, well, et cetera, but honestly, fuck them. No, no, no. That's, that's what I said too. It was like, what are you going to do? Tell somebody who has like 
like crippling arthritis that they shouldn't be eating a certain way. Like you try living like that before, yeah. uh, before telling other people that they can't. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mindless and senseless attitudes like that, that people, um, that just doesn't help their movement. But anyway, I mean, it, this isn't about vegans. I mean, with, with people's diets, I think, you know, you don't even have to go as far to cut out in an elimination diet as far all the way down to meat. But if you can just cut out like simple carbs and sugar, like you can be such yeah. a healthier person. I started, yeah, yeah. I started the ketogenic diet because I've got uh, a rare form of epilepsy. It's more of a movement. Oh, okay. disorder, but people say epilepsy okay. because it's easier. So I heard Joe Rogan talking about it and I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Why not? Yeah. So what I did was I started doing it uh, and I was about 134 kilos, which is 297 pounds. And I started eating it uh, and I lost a hundred pounds, uh, 35 kilos or whatever that happens to be. And I was healthier. I was probably too skinny because I, I was 94 kilos and I'm six foot eight. So I'm a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a bean pole, but um, I found I was just so much healthier. I could run further. My cardio endurance was much better. My, 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 my clarity, my mind was, was sharper, was moving quicker. And for the, longest time in my childhood i couldn't work out because i was always quite overweight i couldn't work out why i couldn't lose weight and then when you look at it now knowing what i do know about i mean what i know on the fringe of nutrition <laughs> i was constantly eating and spiking my my, my blood sugar yeah it's, it, once you know yeah yeah once you know it it completely blew my mind i thought well i thought calories were all that mattered um and I didn't realize I was overeating. I was hungry all the time when I was eating carbs. And it was partly, I think, the antidepressants I was taking as well and the medications, but I was just starving all the time, eating all the time because I was hungry and never feeling full. And yeah, so I switched to kind of a paleo, it was a keto diet. Like it turned out it was keto, but it was 2015. So like people didn't really talk about keto as much back then. Um, and that made, yeah, makes a huge difference. And what I tell people too, is if you're not willing, like it is hard to go down to just beef. Nobody who's doing a just beef diet is doing it because they don't like food. Like that's the other thing is a lot of people who are on this diet get hell from everyone around them. And it's like, you try only eating beef for like years. It's not that great. Like it, it would be more fun to eat other things and not feel like crap. But mm -hmm. I usually tell people, yeah, cut out, even if all you're going to cut out is like wheat, if that's the least you can do, but like ideally cutting out grains and, and some of the like more processed foods, even that'll make a huge difference. Oh, bread, um, bread, just bread. stop eating bread. Stop just having bread. toast. Yeah. I mean, toast is amazing. So I, yeah, I haven't had amazing. toast in like a year. Like I, I saw an ad and they were talking, and I was watching Downton Abbey the other night and the, the lady, uh, Mrs. Hughes walked in and she had a U-Butte toaster. They couldn't believe it. And she was cooking toast. The self-control I had not to walk to the freezer and try and find some bread or something to have some oh, butter man. on some toast was insane. That was horrible. But you have to have that. And I think that the great thing about the keto diet, or in your case, the carnivore diet, is because it is, it's so much work to take in too much food. Like, you're not sitting down and having six steaks to try and smash out 3,000 calories a day. Like it is, it is easily or perhaps more easily restricted on the calories and helps you lose weight. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't need as many calories as they think they do. Like even if yeah. you're bodybuilding and stuff, people who are eating, you know, five, 6,000 calories a day, like that is insane. 
I mean, I, yeah. I can, I can train, I can, I can run, I can lift weights and all that type of stuff. And I eat probably about 2,500 a day and being, you know, my body size and all that type of stuff. And that is fine with that. And that's with no carbs. So one would think that people are overeating and then thus causing oh, yeah. inflammation, thus causing all these other problems. Do you think that is the issue with the, the perhaps the first world at the moment where people, their diets are, are slowly killing them or giving them a, a less of a Quickly. perfect life? Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And I mean, overeating is part of the problem is like you eat some of these foods that are like, like sugar, or even bread, like addictive. And when you cut them out, you notice they're addictive because you get cravings, right? If you cut something out and then you crave it terribly, maybe that's not a great thing to be eating. But, um, so it's a lot easier to overeat with the processed foods and then gaining weight. Yeah. That's a terrible first world problem. And a lot of these people, like a lot of these people who are carrying a whole bunch of extra weight. They're also strong. Like some of them are work, or like a lot of those people are working out too. So they're in good shape. They have all this extra weight. They're told just work out more, which is wrong. Um, no, it's like, it's a huge problem. A lot of them have micronutrient deficiencies too. Like because of, because of how hard it is to process all that sugar and all those carbs and you get deficiencies like magnesium deficiency, vitamin Bs. Um, it's a huge problem. But at least, at least it's not as fringe now. Like um, the paleo diet, that's like the least, at least gluten-free is kind of normal-ish. And then the paleo diet is like a little more fringe. And then keto is like pretty, pretty down there for fringe. And carnivore is still extremely fringe. And then there's like me doing the all beef diet, but I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It, will, it will change over time though. Much like keto yeah. and the Atkins thing, it becomes mainstream. Exactly. So what, exactly. what does your day look like as far as diet? And, and I've noticed over the, over the last uh, maybe six, eight, 12 months that you've been doing a lot more traveling. How do you manage your diet with that? Could you give us like a day at home eating and then how do you, and perhaps even with your father as well, traveling the world, uh, touring his, uh, his talk for his book. How does he do that? How does he manage to do that with airports and travel? And how do you manage to do that with airports, travel and different cities and all that type of stuff? So we, we do two different things. Um, I fast a lot now and I can, honestly, I think I could eat this and it sounds nuts, but I think I could eat one meal every two days and be fine and still maintain my weight. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. So when I travel, I usually only eat once a day. So I'll eat dinners. I go to steakhouses. If I'm somewhere for a long time, I'll stay at an Airbnb and cook. But, um, like dinner at steakhouses. Uh, and I generally don't do more than once a day. Dad, when he was traveling a ton, needed a lot of food because he was lecturing and things and burning through so much energy. And so he would hit steakhouses like twice a day. Um, but even then it was generally twice a day instead of three times. Um, for people who aren't just going to spend like their lives at steakhouses. Yeah. I get an Airbnb and cook. It's a pain. Like, um, we have to be very specific with ordering too. Cause like a lot of people are on the carnivore diet or like, I'll just eat a steak. If it has seasonings and whatever, it's fine. But we have such horrible, horrible autoimmune flare ups that it was like, you know, we had to figure out a way to order. And then you sound like a pain when you're ordering. I don't care anymore at all, but it took me two years, I think, to finally get over the anxiety of ordering. Um, because I figure if I'm going to spend a bunch of money on a steak, then you can just listen to me order. Plus it's not like with a vegan diet, you have certain ingredients. And for me, it's like, can you please just clean the grill and then like put the meat on it and flip it and then put it on a plate 
Like usually I order and I'm like, I just like meat, no seasoning, no oil. Like I say no salt and pepper just to make it very clear. And then I say, I just want meat like on a plate, medium rare. So you can't and have, that, you have to clean the, the grill as well. Like it all has to be completely, yeah. otherwise you have a flare up. What, by flare up, what, what do you mean? Okay, so two years, you know, I'm getting less sensitive, so I'll throw that in here. But two years ago, uh, I was in Florida and the grill, like most of the steaks had garlic seasoning on them. And so the grill had garlic on them. And um, my flare up was really extreme brain fog the next day. I was bloated for about a week. My digestion was just screwed up and I had arthritis for about two weeks. So it wasn't like hugely detrimental. I didn't get miserably depressed or anything, um, but it was a pain for like two weeks. And that was just with garlic from the grill. That being said, the longer I do this, I think, I think my problem is obviously gut related and um, I seem to be desensitizing. So a number of times this summer I had pepper. Obviously I didn't sprinkle my, pa uh, my steak with pepper, I guess last summer, um, but I didn't react to the pepper. So I do think if you're on this diet for long enough, like one of the things about only eating meat is it's really not irritating your intestines at all. So you stick with that for long enough as like kind of an elimination diet. And then hopefully you can heal a bit and start to tolerate more foods. I've managed to reintroduce fish, wild fish, which I hadn't eaten in like two years. And I used to react to it and I don't anymore. So, but yeah, the, the diet was a pain for us because of, you know, cross-contamination and things were an issue at first, but that seems to be going away. So fingers crossed for that. And it must be a scary thing too, eating out, because you don't know what people are doing in the restaurant. You don't have the control. That anxiety must certainly build. I mean, when you're sitting it was, at the table. Yeah, um, from 2015, when I first went down to that limited diet to 2017, I ate out once because I was so scared. I ate it once and I used to eat out three times a day, right? Like sushi or whatever. So I went from eating out like sushi all the time to cooking everything myself, which I absolutely hated because I don't like cooking, um, eating hardly any foods. And yeah, I didn't eat out for almost two years. And then it took me a while to get the hang of ordering a plain steak, which you would assume is really easy to order, but it's actually not. Um, but now I eat out, well, except for the coronavirus, nobody eats out. But before that, um, I eat out quite frequently at yeah. steakhouses, which, which is nice. For me, it's, uh, it's a tough one being on the road in Australia because a lot of places, particularly country towns here, they don't have, you know, 24-hour restaurants. And after a show, the, the number one thing you want to do oh, is yeah. eat. You want to eat yeah. constantly eat. So Dad was eating after his shows, yeah. But steakhouses are open late, so that was handy. And so when I'm in these country towns, it's just the only option is Maccas. And I think that's why when I started on the road, I put on weight. I think a lot of comedians they or, or, mm. or musicians, they put on weight. And so I went back and stripped it back to just when I was eating keto with like just meat patties. And I sound like the biggest pig in the world when I get to the drive-thru and say, hey, can I just have yeah. three patties, please? It's great. Yeah, People look at you like, what are, what are you doing? you son of Satan. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a necessary three isn't, even, three, three isn't even that bad. Like I've definitely gone in and ordered six um, or, or getting like picking up groceries. Oh my God. If I'm like living with, I've been living with my dad here and going to Whole Foods, especially during this epidemic, I'm living, there's seven people here and wow. you know, we're not all carnivores, but like um, three, three of us, I guess only um, mainly eat meat. 
uh, two of us only eat meat and going to Whole Foods and being like, can I have 13 steaks? And during this coronavirus thing, they were just like, who are you? And you can't just like hoard all the meat. It's yeah. like, no, this is good. This is a problem. Like, this is what we eat. <laughs> oh, this is an issue. When people uh, try to debunk or disprove your your dietary lifestyle, what are the big what are the big ploys they they run into as far as nutrients are concerned or health or cancer these type of things? What what do they run at you with, and how do you respond to those sort of things? I know <clears throat> scurvy's number one. They talk about vitamin C. Now I've heard mm-hmm. Sean Baker talk about vitamin C, but I'd love to, I'd love to know your opinion and, and what you sort of get attacked for the most. So. Okay, what do I get attacked for the most? Well, in the beginning, it was nutrient deficiencies. Like you're going to die of, (laughs) there was one BuzzFeed article and one of the sentences was, don't worry, they'll be dead in six months. I was like, wow, that's brutal. But um, They are horrible people at BuzzFeed. Don't don't worry, guys, they'll (laughs) die. Um, So at the beginning, but it only lasted like six months of articles that were like, oh my God, nutrient deficiencies, like this is going to kill them. And then when we didn't die in six months, it was like, well, okay, I guess we can't really attack that anymore because we don't know when they're going to like, it's like, when am I going to die? Like, when do these nutrient deficiencies happen? Like, can we have a timeline here so we can stop talking about them eventually? Um, So the nutrient deficiency thing doesn't seem to happen as much. And then there was like colon cancer, but Honestly, I think Sean Baker and other like proponents of the carnivore diet probably get bothered more about that stuff because most people look at how sick I was. And there are some videos online of like what I looked like and things before I, when I was on medications and like half dead. And most people are like, oh, you had a hip and ankle replacement and like now you're not on any drugs. Like, I guess it works for you, but it probably doesn't work for anyone else. So, and, and because I don't really do a lot of like vegan bashing or anything, well, I don't do any. Um, you should, I don't really get a, I don't though. <laughs> I get it. You know why I don't, I don't because, um, I was so sure that food had nothing to do with my health issues that like, I was like, ah, those stupid gluten-free, like California girls, um, oh, organic food. Like I was so <clears throat> anti that stuff, um, and focused on the science. And then it was like, oh, glute, gluten actually can be harmful. Oh, and then I was only eating organic and it was just like my worldview got turned upside down so many times that I was like, I have to be really careful not to be too attached to anything I think is the answer because the world is just going to like turn it on its head again. So I'm just like careful. The only reason, and and I I don't know how much you know about me and my channel, but I've, I've been a vegan basher for a long time. Uh, I did not know that. I have. I've made a lot of videos about them, but honestly, the reason I do this is okay. The protesting and throwing blood at people is annoying. I've had a vegan guy try to attack me at a show. That's annoying. Oh man! But the number one thing is, every time I make a video about them, they bite back. It's just they're, they're so reactive to it, and it's fantastic. Like I'm, I'm one of these people who who likes to annoy, and 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 that's my sort of humor. It's the offensive humor, that type of thing, and. And I just see these people as someone in the crowd who I can do crowd work with and, and then get under their uh-huh. skin, you know, that type of thing. Well, so I- it's not hard. It's not hard to get under their skin. I had vegan gains went after me hard. That actually was upsetting. Like normally, I, like I said, I watched it, it his video. It's fucking oh, did you? horrible. Oh, I, I didn't. It I couldn't. Morning. It's fucking horrible. He is a piece oh. of shit. He, I've made yeah, several yeah. videos about him. He is absolutely insane. He sits in yeah, his little room all day. He's a psychopath. Day. He is absolute psychopath. Yeah. 
He has challenged yeah. me, Michaela. This is how ridiculous I am. This is this whole thing is with me. He's challenged me to three fights. He is four years old. It's ridiculous. Like he yeah. just he's he's a crazy man. It, but that's the internet. You know, horrible. It's pe- the internet. Yeah, I guess that video. Like he went after me in September, and that was when my dad, like we put my dad in rehab for this benzo thing and it was so awful and I was so stressed and like my whole family was just like torn apart and then it was just this annoying horrible man on the internet sticking all his like evil little minions on me I was like really like I can't handle this right now and then somebody else like went after me the same month for something else it was some I don't know, some comedian that I recognized from like the early 2000s and he went after me in September too. It was annoying. People are annoying though. That is the internet. And, and when, when your father did uh, go into to rehab, there was so many people, well, vocal people, maybe not so many, but people just kick your family while they're down. And I, I honestly was shocked to see that. Like I, I did my bit and did a few fuck yous on Twitter to some people, but it was just, it must've been absolutely horrible. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been bad. And part of the reason it's been bad is because like my dad didn't do anything. Like I don't have I understand why people use drugs too to escape if they have like a shit life and they can get a little bit of relief from that from drugs. I understand why people do that. But what happened with dad was like he was put on a low dose of a benzodiazepine for this stupid autoimmune issue we have. And then he couldn't get off of them. Mm. Like he was one of those people there was like, oh, now as soon as you stop taking them, you're in such severe withdrawal that it ruins your life right and so it was like what do we do that's the story um and so it it like like wrecked him for a while and he's still recovering from it and it's absolutely brutal and so yeah it sucked it definitely the negative press sucked but there was also a lot of a lot of people who were more understanding and i think so many people too i've like kind of delved into the benzodiazepine community and so many people have had issues with this and a lot of professionals that get stressed take it for a while and are like oh yikes like that wasn't exactly what I expected um so there's been a lot of support too which has been good the the benzo uh issue is widespread I was I was diagnosed with a panic disorder probably three or three years ago now and the doctor after a while said let's let's uh, prescribe you some of these and I looked into it uh, I think it was Ativan or something like that. Ativan, yeah. Yeah, and he he said, "Mate, uh, take these when you need them, etc." And I went home and I sort of researched it, and there were so many people just saying, "Do not touch it. It's 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 so hard to get off of. It will control your life. It's it's like you know, it's like meth. You have to have it. If you don't have it, you change who you are." And that terrified me. I eventually, with my good, my panic, yeah, my my panic thing was. Uh, in conjunction with the epilepsy worrying about that all the time and then worrying about when an when an attack would happen this sort of it ruled my life for a period of time and something i still deal with and i've talked about a lot on this channel and and that's one of the positive things i like to do with my channel not just vegan bash but talk about mental health and all that type of business um but mainly vegan bash and the, (laughs) the 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 thing with it it is is it's such a it's a it's a quick fix in most cases. And that's what people need in that situation. 
but you, and you don't have the ability to look long term. You, you can't when you're when you're panicking, when you have severe anxiety and panic attacks. People who have never had it, and I they don't they don't get it. They don't yeah. get it. I hadn't had it before, and my my partner was like, you know, she had it for a long time, and I when I when when I probably four years ago, I'd say, well, you just need to calm down, you just need to relax. And then I realized over time how ridiculous that sounds to someone having a panic attack or having anxiety. Yeah. It is, it is a constant state of me sitting on the lounge and feeling like there is a lion next to me. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's a very physical feeling, right? A, of something giant chasing you. You know, it's a feeling deep within your soul that something bad is wrong. You have tension yeah. all over your body. You, your, your hands might shake. You might be flush in the cheeks. You might feel hot. I remember I was at the gym one day and I started feeling extremely hot. It was the middle of winter. I had to go and lay down for 40 minutes at home. Like things that I had never experienced and it really came yeah. uh, and I understood from it, this is why people end their lives because they cannot control it. It is yeah. hot. Um, and so to people who, who have to resort to benzos, like I get it. I fucking get it. It's, it's what do you do? What do you do in that situation? You either. Well, you don't. I would definitely don't, do don't take benzos. <laughs> you can't. Like you I, can't. I, I get it. They, um, and the thing is like, I, I was prescribed them um, for panic uh, a long time ago. And uh, I, not for panic, for sleep. Um, I was taking Adderall for the chronic fatigue um, and I couldn't sleep at night because the Adderall lasts a long time. And so I was prescribed Ativan. Um, luckily for me, it didn't work very well as a sleeping aid. So I just used like gravel, just like a completely like harmless antihistamine basically. Um, and so luckily I didn't take it continually. But dad had this autoimmune flare up like a couple of years ago and couldn't sleep like at all. Mm. Um, and so the family doctor was just like, you know, take this for a while and then he could sleep with it. And then you take that. Some people take that for two weeks and they're already dependent on it. And his prescription wasn't like take as needed. It was just take. Um, and we both too been on so many medications and on, well, me more but he'd been taking SSRIs for a really long time so it was like antidepressant anti-anxiety um and for some reason we weren't aware that it could be like they could be that harmful but um and SSRIs yeah, are an issue recommend. as well and, and people struggle to get off them but I think they're just yeah. such a, it's such a different boat anti-anxiolytic drugs yeah. in comparison to antidepressants I mean it, yeah it's, I mean of, sorry go on. Uh, I got off of OxyContin um, when, when I had my hip and ankle replaced, I was on OxyContin, like a solid dose of OxyContin for an entire year. And, um, I had pretty severe withdrawal getting off of that, but that was absolutely nothing compared to this benzo withdrawal. And I was fortunate enough that most of the other medic, I stopped taking Adderall. I took Adderall almost every day for two years at a high dose. And I just kind of stopped that and nothing really happened. And SSRIs, I didn't get withdrawal from those. Um, some people do though, get terrible withdrawal from whole bunch of these medications but benzodiazepines seem like that withdrawal can last for a really long time and it can be well really really awful so what what happens and i don't want to ask personal questions about your father in particular but what happens with the benzo withdrawal um so when you take benzos and it depends on your brain right some people's brains adapt some people can take it for a while and they don't get addicted to it but most people do and here's some horrible statistics um, 80% of people's prescribed benzodiazepines never stop taking them. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. And the, the main people who are prescribed are like older women. 
Um, okay. The number of people in native communities that are on benzodiazepines is insanely high. Um, when most celebrity deaths, if you look into them, most of those people who commit suicide are on benzodiazepines. Like I, th I think this is a huge problem. But, but what happens to people when they go into withdrawal is um, their body stops producing, their, it messes up their GABA receptors. And GABA is what helps you calm down. So if you're, um, so what happens when you stop taking is it is, it's as if you're in fight or flight mode all the time because you have no GABA to calm you down. And it basically just takes your brain time to start producing GABA again. Um, so part of the things people can experience is like really severe nerve pain because GABA is also used to dampen down your nerves. So you stop producing GABA and your nerves can just be on fire all the time. You, you're, you have an increased seizure risk, huge increased seizure risk, and that can last for months. So um, if you've been taking them for long enough, you have to take anti-seizure medications just so you don't have seizures because you stopped this drug. Um, and then it's just like, you know, anything that GABA would affect, you know, hopelessness, depression, like suicidality, it, that's, that's on the extreme end of things. Um, and like constant, a state of constant panic. So all that panic that you're putting off um, by taking the benzodiazepines, if you take them for long enough, probably just ends up on the other end of things. That is just insane to think that that's mm. this, this tiny pill is, is doing such a horrible thing to your body. And yet it's the yeah. first line of treatment. It is it, like, it's the first line. And the other creepy thing about this is like, if you take an opiate, then you get kind of high. Yeah. So you can at least tell it's like what it, it's doing to you. If you take a low dose, at least my experience, if you take a low dose benzodiazepine, you don't really get high. You just like, just don't feel as anxious. Mm. So it's not even that like obvious a medication. Something that makes you high, it's a lot more obvious that um, it's gonna come with some sort of addiction. And obviously you can take high doses of the benzodiazepines and then you probably get some sort of high, but the low dose stuff, which can still cause dependence, doesn't give you like an up. So that's creepy too. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with anxiety is it's a, such a rife problem throughout um, society. And I mean, people have it and they don't know it. People have lived yeah. with it their entire lives and they don't know it. They just accept that as their reality. Um, but I, I genuinely think that the, the only way really through this anxious issue is 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 through the other side and that may take decades uh and can people survive that i mean that's why people turn to medications that's why i turn to medications because it is such a horrifying existence and your quality of life is depleted entirely you can't mm -hmm. you don't enjoy things you don't do things no it's, it's, it's horrible weird it's, very very strange there's nothing worse. Like and I, I try and give people an idea who have never experienced like severe depression or anxiety or panic attacks, an idea of like, if I had to choose between the arthritis that like ate two of my joints and the mental disorder, I would choose the arthritis yeah. hands down. No questions asked because psychological pain is, you know, don't get me wrong. You can be enough in enough physical pain that it outweighs your psychological pain, but like, psychological pain from what I've experienced is, is definitely worse. And that's also why I'm such a big proponent of this 
what, what I call a lion diet or an all beef diet as an elimination diet, because a lot of people might, and I've seen it with thousands of people. It's a lot of people who maybe the reason they're depressed is because of the level of inflammation in their body. Maybe it's more complicated than that, but this is a way to at least rule diet out and maybe stop suffering because suffering from anxiety and depression is so horrible that it's completely unfathomable unfathomable to somebody who hasn't experienced it. The thing with, 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 with the lion diet, with the carnivore diet is people have, um, have bashed you over the whole having a support network there where you can, uh, you can join uh, your website. And, but in, in all honesty, like you're prescribing people meat and salt. They don't have to, if they don't want to, if they don't want to be a part of your society, a part of your, your group, then, you know, you have that information there for free. You can just go and do it. Yeah. Well, that's why I actually got rid of the group because oh, really? I didn't have, yeah, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do more. And then I've been so like wrapped up with helping my dad and traveling and things that I was like, I don't think I was offering enough. So that doesn't exist. Like I have the Facebook groups, but you can just join them. And I do lives on there to answer people's questions. Um, but yeah, I got a lot of hell for that. And my comeback to that was really like, look, I'm really just saying eat beef and salt and water. This isn't like a secret recipe book or something. And all my information is up online. Like, and it's really that simple. Um, it's like, there are people need help getting onto it because they go into carb withdrawal and everything. Um, but I'm definitely not hiding anything. No, it's all up there. It's pretty simple. And I mean, with the, with the, uh, with the group, if you don't want to pay the money, you don't have to, this is what people always freak yeah. out about. It's like, Hey, if you don't want to, it's fine. Things. Yeah. Like, just don't join. Don't I have, buy it. I have like, uh, I used to have a Patreon, uh, when I was first starting out and that was really helpful. It took me a year on YouTube. Yeah. I hit, hit 600,000 subscribers before I got monetized. That's how long they took, which was crazy. That um, is crazy. Yeah. And and I, so I was just work, working a normal job and then I, I eventually stopped doing that and went on tour and, and, and have been doing stand-up ever since. But the people were able to support me and then people would say in the comments, oh, you're just gouging for money. And it's like, mate, if you don't want to do it, it's fine. I'm, not, I'm still giving you content. I'm still giving you something. You don't yeah. have to pay me. It's fine. But if you want to, I'll take it. I don't care yeah. where your money comes from. I'll take it. Yeah, I know. No, it's pretty sad. I don't know what that's, I think it's, I don't know, jealousy. I'm not entirely sure what causes that, but. I don't know. Everyone just has an opinion. It's the internet. Uh, they can voice it. People you would never listen to in a million years are yeah. able to communicate with you. I got a DM this morning on Instagram and I was just, I, I got up early today because today in Australia is Anzac Day. It's like uh, in, uh, in the States and Canada, I guess, Memorial Day, that type of thing. And uh, so, this year, every year, everyone gets up at about six o'clock and they go to a dawn service. Um, uh, and there are different parts of, of the town, whatever. But to this year with COVID, everyone in Australia is basically locked inside. So yeah. they said, okay, everyone go out on their front lawn or on their driveway and, and have a candle or whatever. It was great. It was beautiful. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was up early. So I looked at my phone at, at 5.30 and I had a DM there. I just had a look because I go through and I delete most of them because I don't want to listen to anyone. And I open one of them and it's just like, you're a big piece of shit. I fucking hate you. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just started my day. What the fuck are you trying to do to me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, I couldn't imagine sending that to someone. Yeah. 
Okay, like be, I've never, I would never DM someone I didn't know on Instagram. Like, I mean, now that I have kind of more of a following, then I can kind of reach out to people. But before, like, I never did that. So I don't know what kind of person you are to reach out to somebody and just insult them. Yeah. But it happens to me too, all the time. And I had to start, like, like I said, it doesn't usually bother me, but you have to have a certain amount of resilience. And I can't imagine, like, you've got so many subscribers now. I can't imagine having that number of people just because of all the negativity that would come to that. Like, I can't imagine even what my dad went through yeah. because I think it's also harder at his age too. Being like, suddenly you have that many followers and that much controversy and that much hate. Like that's a lot of stress. And I had to start like in September when things got more stressful with my, well, it's been stressful for a while, but I had to start like sleeping with my phone, making rules with my phone. Like don't check it until you know 11 in the morning. So I can at least have that period in the morning before I'm like inundated with people telling me I'm a horrible person. Mm. Yeah. What was it like watching uh, your father at, at his age rise to this, crazy level of notoriety and success i mean he was already a successful person but to do it in the public eye it was really weird um the last three years have been very strange like first we started dealing with autoimmune problems that apparently didn't exist so there was that and so we were going in and out of these weird food reactions where we get super depressed and then be normal and super depressed so that was happening and then with dad, it was like, oh, dad's on the cover of a newspaper. Like I just walk by and he'd be there. I'd be like, whoa, that's, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one, like one newspaper I remember in Toronto and it was, it said something about the Fuhrer of Jordan B. Peterson. And I was like, what the hell? That's like the Toronto star, the normal new, it was something like that. The normal newspaper in Toronto, like somehow vaguely equating my father with Hitler. It's like, okay, so this is like buy that newspaper and be like, well, that's weird. But it was kind of like detached. And then it started getting to the point where people on the street would stop and everyone on the street that stopped was a fan. Like he really didn't get approached by anyone negative. Um, well, except for, <laughs> except for a few times when there were protests, but um, normally it was fans. And so when that started happening, that was super weird because people would like, like you said, the kind of like fangirl over him. So we go for dinner and we'd come out and someone would like some grown man would freak out (laughs) and and it'd be like whoa like you're just a person like freaking out we're just standing here um I don't know it's still weird I still like it's been I feel like I did way too many mushrooms and things have just never been the same (laughs) it's cool though it's 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 got to be cool and once he gets through uh, what he's dealing with at the moment. I, I hope that it, it just not not explodes back to the same level because no one wants that level of fame. It's too much, you know. But As it was a lot. But but to a level where it's comfortable and uh, and he can get his message out and and I, I think a lot of people benefit from having his voice in the world and and your voice as well. I mean, a lot of people benefit from what you are saying about this particular diet. Now, I must admit that I tried a carnivore diet for two weeks and I, I, I didn't mind. I felt great. Um, but the thought of steak every day, just, it just did my head in. How does yeah. one overcome that? Is, am I just a weak person? 
Um, no, 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 no. I mean, even the fact that you've changed your diet at all, you're not a weak person, but, um, how do you overcome that? Well, I wasn't even a huge steak fan. I like chicken wings. If I had to choose something to like survive off of, it would have been chicken wings. Um, and so the only, the only reason I'm on this is because every time I tried to eat something different, my body hated me for weeks. Otherwise I wouldn't have done it because why would you do it unless you have severe repercussions? <laughs> Yeah. otherwise um but that being said once you're on it for about a month maybe six weeks you do get used to it the cravings do go away for other foods and you just eat when you're hungry um and it's it's really at the two-week point um like days four to like 18 where there's some sort of disgust associated with it i don't know exactly why um i usually tell people just fast because if you just if you just like starve yourself for long enough you'll get hungry enough that you want to eat a steak. Anything looks good. <laughs> Anything looks good. But um, yeah, that's pretty normal and understandable. And it does completely go away if you stick with it, if you're doing it for like serious, serious health issues. So what would you, who would you recommend this for, this diet? And I mean, well, not recommend, I guess, you know, just propose. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you can't recommend people start yeah, suing people and it's like, Jesus. Uh, but who would you throw this into the ether for? What type of person? And how would you start it as well? Like, how would you begin this diet? Is it just cut everything out? That's what I did with keto. I just cut the carbs day one. People say not to do that, but that's what I did. I found that the best way. What, what would you recommend? I mean, throw into the ether. So, so, so throwing into the ether, um, I would say people who really don't have other options, like if you have an autoimmune disorder and you are like half dead, uh, then what is there to lose? So that's, that's my, that's my, like, those are the people I'm trying to reach that have tried absolutely everything and are like limping around horribly with life. Um, those people, if you have a mood disorder, like you might as well give it a shot because again, what is there to lose? If you've got nothing to lose and you've tried a whole bunch of things, those are the kind of people I'm trying to get at. Um, and then how do you start? It depends. If you're in that category of people, I usually tell them just go, just start like one day, just go. And if you have really terrible transition symptoms, like try incorporating fasting, maybe just suffer through it for the six weeks. If you can do that. Um, it is a lot easier if you transition to keto first, or if you just go grain free and then you go to keto like step by step is easier. And I think that's partly because your microbiome changes. And so you can change it gradually instead of just being like standard American diet, only beef, which mm. is really rough. Um, because then you also switch into ketosis at the same time. So you get a whole bunch of metabolic changes. Um, so it depends. The faster you can do it, the faster you see benefits. But if you don't want to experience a whole bunch of like cravings and mood swings and things at the beginning um you could do it more gently over like the period of a month um but some people also generally the healthy people they switch over and they feel better in like three days if you're someone with like an autoimmune disorder you're probably going to feel like crap for like three weeks before you start feeling better wow and that's the hard part that's the that's the bridge to travel i guess to get through to that 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 new form of health or that new feeling yeah sacrifice something yeah it is a sacrifice but honestly at least the experience i had with an autoimmune and mood disorder is they suck so much that it doesn't suck that much yeah like you've already been if you've already been suffering then 
yeah, you lose all your favorite foods and that sucks, but you're already suffering. So you might as well suffer a little bit more to potentially see benefits. Mm. But I've seen so many people heal with this and whoa, my ring light. <laughs> Let, now I'm, do I look, do I look scarier? You look like you're telling ghost stories. <laughs> I am kind of telling ghost stories. Um, yeah. Anyway, those are my recommendations. I'm, I've like set everything up balancing on like oh my god please stay balancing on pillows you, you need I don't to have... I'll, I'll show you what i've got i've got this is a fa- believe it or not this is a fake background i know yeah, it's hard, I need, it's hard I need to believe that. that's my background that's what's really happening behind me not much at all you just need you need your setup you need your your, your studio to produce that content no. you've got a big youtube following you've got to be producing yeah. I don't. I haven't really done anything. I've been living out of a suitcase. Oh my God. I just want to go home. I've been living out of a suitcase since my birthday, literally on my birthday, we flew to Russia. Um, and now we're in Florida, um, which could be worse. I could be in like a pretty small condo with no balcony, not really being able to go outside. So I'm not complaining about Florida, but, uh, things are balanced on pillows because I'm still living out of a suitcase. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I do appreciate it. How can people uh, follow you? What are your socials? Is there anything you'd like to plug at the end of this podcast? Um, not really. Um, follow me at I'm at MichaelaPeterson.com or Michaela Peterson on Instagram uh, or Michaela Peterson on YouTube. Um, Michaela Alexis A L E K S I S on Twitter. Um, but no, I'm not like selling anything i'm just just living i'm writing a book all right that's how i'm going to that's how i'm going to get people's money okay good go and find that money that's what you got to do i might write a book too why not i don't know what i'll write it on but thank you very much for joining (laughs) us i appreciate that ladies and gentlemen uh if you haven't subscribed wake up to yourself get that done all the links that michaela just mentioned are down in the description below and uh we'll be back next week uh, and probably the week after that we'll see how we go before we get shut down or something happens who knows something's going to happen it's the it's that year isn't it 29 20 i don't even know what year it is don't worry about that uh (laughs) moving swift onwards ta-da bye Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.